Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The devil with the three golden hairs. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. There was once a poor woman who gave birth to a little son, and as he came into the world with a call on, it was predicted that in his 14th year, he would have the king's daughter for his wife. <laughs> what? What? What did you just say? <laughs> he, he had a call on. He had a call. <laughs> a call on. <laughs> Line two. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, he can't speak to you right now. He's got a call on. I love it. It's the first sentence. <laughs> what? What? You, what? 14? He's marrying who? Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> C-A-U-L. A call. What's that? Well, according to Merriam-Webster... Oh, yes. It's the inner fetal membrane of higher vertebrates, especially when covering the head at birth. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a piece of amniotic sac. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year! <laughs> Still attached to the baby's head when it's born. Yeah. So it looks like there's basically a balloon on the head. Right. Don't Google that. If you're a little bit squeamish, don't Google that. But it's completely harmless. This is when they're born? Yeah, it's a a thing that happens. Right. Rarely, but a baby will be born and it'll look like it has a weird balloon on its head. He was born with a balloon on its head. They went, ah, he's going to marry a princess when he's... 14. 14? In his 14th year, he'll marry a princess. Good. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, next sentence. Yes. Yeah, it's quite a long story, <laughs> just for the record. Oh, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. It happened that soon afterwards, the king came into the village, and no one knew that he was the king. And when he asked the people what news there was, they answered, a child has just been born with a call on. <laughs> Line three. (laughs) And the king was like, what? (laughs) Whatever he undertakes in life will turn out well. It is prophesied, too, that in his 14th year, he will have the king's daughter for his wife. The king, who had a bad heart. Oh, no. He just fell down dead. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't take the news. He was angry about the prophecy. He went to the parents and, seeming quite friendly, said, You poor people. Let me have your child, and I will take care of it. (laughs) Is that a friendly thing to say to someone? (laughs) Oh, yeah, thanks, mate. Cheers. At first they refused, but when the stranger offered them a large amount of gold, they thought, (laughs) well, it's a luck child, and everything must turn out well for it. So at last they consented and gave him the child. Brilliant. They saw a glimpse of a bit of gold, and they couldn't believe their luck. Terrible. The king put it in a box Uh and rode away with it until he came to a deep piece of water. Then he threw the box into it and thought, I have freed my daughter from her unlooked-for suitor. The box, however, did not sink, but floated like a boat, and not a drop of water made its way into it. Wow. And it floated to within two miles of the king's chief city, where there was a mill, and it came to a standstill at the mill dam. A miller's boy 
who by good luck was standing there, noticed it and pulled it out with a hook, thinking that he had found a great treasure. But when he opened it, there lay a pretty boy inside, quite fresh and lively. Fresh? Oh, yeah. Fresh boy. He took him to the miller and his wife, and as they had no children, they were glad, and said, God has given him to us. They took great care of the foundling, and he grew up in all goodness. It happened that once in a storm, the king went into the mill and asked the miller and his wife if the tall youth was their son. No, answered they. (laughs) He's a foundling. Fourteen years ago, he floated down to the mill dam in a box, and the mill boy pulled him up out of the water. (gasps) Then the king knew that it was none other than the luck child, which he had thrown into the water, and said, My good people, could not the youth take a letter to the queen? I will give him two gold pieces as a reward. Just as the king commands, answered they, and they told the boy to get ready. Then the king wrote a letter to the queen, in which he said, As soon as the boy arrives with this letter, let him be killed and buried, and all must be done before I come home. What? All the best. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hope you're well. P.S. Miss you lot. (laughs) Um, That's, okay, weird plan, but... (laughs) What could possibly go wrong with that plan? (laughs) (laughs) Let's find out. The boy set out with this letter, but he lost his way, and in the evening came to a large forest. In the darkness, he saw a small light. He went towards it and reached a cottage. When he went in, an old woman was sitting by the fire quite alone. She started when she saw the boy and said, From where do you come and where are you going? I come from the mill, he answered, and uh, wish to go to the queen, to whom I'm taking a letter. But I've lost my way in the forest and I should like to stay here overnight. Oh, you poor boy, said the woman. You have come into a den of thieves, and when they come home, they'll kill you. (gasps) Let them come, said the boy. I'm not afraid. Oh, I'm so tired that I cannot go any farther. And he stretched himself upon a bench and fell asleep. What? He's quite, uh, cocky. Soon afterwards, the robbers came and angrily asked what strange boy was lying there. Ah, said the old woman. It's an innocent child who's lost himself in the forest, and out of pity I've let him come in. He has to take a letter to the Queen. The robbers opened the letter and read it, and in it was written that as soon as he arrived, the boy should be put to death. Then the hard-hearted robbers felt pity, and their leader tore up the letter and wrote another, saying that as soon as the boy came, he should be married at once to the King's daughter. Then they let him lie quietly on the bench until the next morning. And when he awoke, they gave him the letter and showed him the right way. Are you okay? Should we just check in here? Like, okay, I did not expect it to go that way. <laughs> they, these, these robbers, these den of thieves, they come in and they've read the letter and a tear has come to the right. Oh, poor boy. Oh, no. Oh, no, we can't have this. Let's rip on the letter. Let's write a new one. Oh, poor little lad. What's going on? <laughs> this isn't how fairy tales are supposed to go. They melted the heart of the hard-hearted oh, robbers. They're human. Okay, so they've written a new letter. He's got to get yeah. married. He's woken up, and they've shown him how to get to the chief city. So he doesn't know that they've changed the no. letter. Right, that's that, important. Okay. That's crucial. Yeah. The queen, when she had received the letter and read it, did as was written in it, and had a splendid wedding feast prepared. And the king's daughter was married to the luck child, and as the youth was handsome and agreeable, she lived with him in joy and contentment. Oh Great! Happily ever after. The end. Not so fast Uh, there. (laughs) (laughs) After some time, the king returned to his palace 
and saw that the prophecy was fulfilled, and the child married to his daughter. Oh, how has this come to pass? said he. I gave quite another order in my letter. So the queen gave him the letter and said that he might see for himself what was written in it. The king read the letter and saw quite well that it had been exchanged for the other. He asked the youth what had become of the letter entrusted to him and why he had brought another instead of it. Oh, I know nothing about it, answered he. It must have been changed in the night when I slept in the forest. The king said in a passion, You shall not have everything quite so much your own way. Whoever marries my daughter must fetch from hell three golden hairs from the head of the devil. Bring me what I want, and you shall keep my daughter. In this way, the king hoped to be rid of him forever. But the luck child answered, I'll fetch the golden hairs. I am not afraid of the devil. Thereupon he took leave of them and began his journey. This is epic. Yeah, it's only just begun. That's amazing. This is just set up for the main quest, isn't it? Yeah, that's just set up. And I'm, in, I'm loving it. This is fantastic. So he's on his way to hell. Yes. The road led him to a large town where the watchman by the gates asked him what his trade was and what he knew. I know everything. Whoa. Answered the luck child. <laughs> okay, <laughs> chill out. Oh, then you can do us a favour, said the watchman. If you will tell us why our marketplace's fountain, which once flowed with wine, has become dry and no longer gives even water. What? Ah, that you shall know, answered he. (laughs) Only wait until I come back. Then he went farther and came to another town, and there also the gatekeeper asked him what was his trade and what he knew. I know everything, answered he. (laughs) Oh, then you can do us a favour and tell us why a tree in our town, which once bore golden apples, now does not even put forth leaves. You shall know that, answered he. Only wait until I come back. There are magical things around. There are, it's a magical land. (laughs) Then he went on and came to a wide river over which he must go. The ferryman asked him what his trade was and what he knew. I know everything. Then you can do me a favour, said the ferryman, and tell me why I must always be rowing backwards and forwards, and no one comes to relieve me. You shall know that, answered he. Only wait until I come back. (laughs) When he crossed the water, he found the entrance to hell. Oh, oh, that's handy. How (laughs) did he know the way? It's just, is it on a signpost? (laughs) He's got an OS map. (laughs) It should be about here. Oh, entrance to hell. There we go. (laughs) There we go. So he's he's going into hell. Yeah. It was black and sooty within. Uh And the devil was not at home. No. But his grandmother was sitting in a large armchair. (laughs) Yes, one of the best things we've ever read. I was thinking that is probably the best line you've ever heard. (laughs) What do you mean his grandma? And what do you want, dear? You want, oh, the devil? Oh, he's he's not going to be long. Just have a a seat. Have you read this one? (laughs) What do you want? Said she to him. (laughs) What do you want? But she did not look so very wicked. Aw, I should like to have three golden hairs from the devil's head, answered he, else I cannot keep my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a good deal to ask for, said she. If the devil comes home and finds you, it will cost you your life. But as I pity you, I will see if I cannot help you. She changed him into an ant and said, creep into the folds of my dress. You will be safe there. (laughs) Yes, answered he. So far, so good. Um, well... But there are three things beside that I want to know. Why a fountain which once flowed with wine has become dry and no longer gives even water. 
why a tree which once bore golden apples does not even put forth leaves, and why a ferryman must always be going backwards and forwards and is never set free. Ah, those are difficult questions, answered she, but only be silent and quiet and pay attention to what the devil says when I pull out the three golden hairs. Are you up to speed with the plan? Mm, he's an ant hiding in her dress. Yes. And then she's just going to, when the devil comes home, I'm, ho- I'm back, Grandma, how's it going? She's just going to pull the hairs out of his head yeah. and somehow the ant is going to know the answer to these three questions. So do I know what's going on? Not really. <laughs> As evening came, the devil returned home. No sooner had he entered than he noticed that the air was not pure. I smell man's flesh, said he. All is not right here. Then he pried into every corner and searched, but could not find anything, because he's a little ant in the dress. His grandmother scolded him. It's just been swept, said she, and everything put in order, and now you're upsetting it again. You have always got men's flesh in your nose. (laughs) Sit down and eat your supper. When he had eaten and drunk and was tired and laid his head in his grandmother's lap, and before long he was fast asleep, snoring and breathing heavily. (laughs) This is so weird. (laughs) Then the old woman took hold of a golden hair, pulled it out and laid it down near her. Oh, cried the devil. In his sleep. What are you doing? Oh. Oh, I've had a bad dream, answered the grandmother. So I seized hold of your hair. What did you dream then? said the devil. I dreamed that a fountain in a marketplace from which wine once flowed was dried up and not even water would flow out of it. What could be the cause of it? Oh, if they did but know it, answered the devil. There is a toad sitting under a stone in the well. If they killed it, the wine would flow again. That makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping to get through that quickly enough without you realising that makes no sense. He went to sleep again and snored until the window shook. Then she pulled out the second hair. Ouch! What are you doing? Cried the devil angrily. <laughs> That's a fair question. Don't get angry, said she. <laughs> I did it in a dream. What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get angry now. I was dreaming, all right? <laughs> what have you dreamt this time? Asked he. I dreamt that in a certain kingdom there stood an apple tree which had once borne golden apples but now would not even bear leaves. What do you think could be the reason? Oh, if they did but know, answered the devil. A mouse is gnawing at the root. If they kill this, they would have golden apples again. But if it gnaws much longer, the tree will wither altogether. But leave me alone with your dreams. If you disturb me in my sleep again, you'll get a slap on the ear. What? That's no way to talk to your grandma. The grandmother spoke gently to him until he fell asleep again and snored. Then she took hold of the third golden hair and pulled it out. The devil jumped up, roared out, and would have treated her ill if she had not quieted him once more and said, Who can help bad dreams? (laughs) Uh, What was the dream then? asked he, and was quite curious. (laughs) (laughs) He he pretended to, he didn't want to know, but he, he wanted to know. I dreamt of a ferryman who complained that he must always ferry from one side to the other and was never released. What is the cause of it? Ah, ah, the fool, answered the devil. When anyone comes and wants to go across, he must put the oar in his hand, and the other man will have to ferry, and he will be free. As the grandmother had plucked out the three golden hairs, 
and the three questions were answered. She let the old serpent alone, and he slept until daybreak. Oh, he's a snake. When the devil had gone out again, the old woman took the ant out of the folds of her dress and gave the luck child his human shape again. There are the three golden hairs for you, said she. What the devil said to your three questions, I suppose you heard. Yes, answered he. I heard and will take care to remember. You have what you want, said she, and now you can go your way. He thanked the old woman for helping him in his need and left hell. And well <laughs> <laughs> Bye, you are now leaving hell. Thanks for driving carefully. <laughs> well content that everything had turned out so fortunately. When he came to the ferryman, he was expected to give the promised answer. Ferry me across first, said the luck child, and then I'll tell you how you can be set free. <laughs> and when he reached the opposite shore, he gave him the devil's advice. Next time anyone comes who wants to be ferried over, just put the oar in his hand. He went on and came to the town where the unfruitful tree stood. And there too the watchman wanted an answer. So he told him what he had heard from the devil. Kill the mouse which is gnawing at its root and it will again bear golden apples. Then the watchman thanked him and gave him as a reward two asses laden with gold oh, which yeah. followed him. At last he came to the town whose well was dry. He told the watchman what the devil had said. A toad is in the well beneath a stone. You must find it and kill it, and the well will again give wine in plenty. The watchman thanked him and also gave him two asses laden with gold. Whoa, four asses with gold on them. Mm-mm. Nice. At last the luck child got home to his wife, who was heartily glad to see him again and to hear how well he had prospered in everything. To the king, he took what he had asked for, the devil's three golden hairs. And when the king saw the four asses laden with gold... He was quite content and said, oh, Now all the conditions are fulfilled, and you can keep my daughter. But tell me, dear son-in-law, where did all that gold come from? This is tremendous wealth. <laughs> I was rowed across a river, answered he, and got it there. The shore is made of gold instead of sand. Oh, can I fetch some of it? said the king, and he was quite eager about it. As much as you like, answered he. There is a ferryman on the river. Let him ferry you over, and you can fill your sacks oh. on the other side. The greedy king set out in all haste. <laughs> and you see where this is oh, going? Oh, yes. And when he came to the river, he beckoned the ferryman to put him across. The ferryman came and bade him get in. And when they got to the other shore, he put the oar in his hand and sprang out. <laughs> From this time forth, the king had to ferry as a punishment for his sins. Perhaps he is ferrying still. If he is, it is because no one has taken the oar from him. The end. So it starts with a bang. Well, that was our first patron chosen story. Yes, it was. Thank you very much to everyone that voted for that. Yeah. I think it was quite a resounding winner. And would you say that was a good choice? Well, I mean... <laughs> that's a, Come on, that was a great story. It was an amazing choice. <laughs> and this was Adam's story that it he was. chose. 
yeah. beating the Twelve Huntsmen. Which we'll get to at some point. We will, but who cares about Twelve Huntsmen? Let's, right. Devil with three golden yes. hairs. What do you make of that? What was that? That just doesn't get much more epic than that. It doesn't, and we haven't read, I, we haven't read anything like that before. No, definitely not. I mean, the closest it comes to is maybe the story of the youth. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just another brand new, crazy, incredible, yeah. epic tale. So we're kind of starting off again on the same foot as we Absolutely. started series two. Well, what stands out for you? What stands out? Uh, grandma. <laughs> grandma. <laughs> the devil's grandma. I didn't expect her to make an appearance in an armchair. In hell. That was weird, wasn't it? Very odd, that. Um, I'm still unsure as to why that was considered lucky that he had a... He got a call on. And that's lucky, apparently. Well, uh, yeah. I assume the idea is that... Yeah, it's just a bit of folk belief. Do not Google that. I'm just going to say No, I'm not going to. That sounds horrendous. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I I can't deal with that. (laughs) So moving swiftly on then, he's got cool on, King yeah. comes in, they've got this idea in their head that this boy is going to marry the king's daughter in his 14th year, 13 year old boy. Yep. That's fine, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> nothing totally wrong with fine. that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and the king's like, oh, I don't think so. So he bribes the parents to keep the boy. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to Oh. That's quite a lot of gold. He's lucky anyway. He'll be fine. Give him the kid. Yeah. He shoves him in a box and throws him in the river. Uh, so we met some millers. Yes. Good millers. Good millers. Right. That I didn't occur to me. No millers' daughter here. No. There was a millers' uh, handy boy, as in like a boy they'd employed. They yeah, didn't yeah. have any kids, and they raised a little foundling. That's nice. I, I'd like. To, that is a great start to the new year. You know, new year, fresh. Leaf, turn over a new leaf. And the millers are turning over a new leaf. The millers, you know, they've learned their lesson, I think. Wow. Yeah, I think we're seeing a different side to millers this year. Interesting. Okay, so maybe we should start a tally. We'll have two tallies, one of bad millers and one of good millers. There's one in the the good (laughs) millers column. It's quite uneven at the moment. (laughs) But we'll see how that pans out. So they basically raise him until he is of age Mm -hmm. to uh, marry the princess. King just stops by in a storm. He just, oh, I'll go in here. What a strange way to deal with the situation. He's like, hang on a second, that's the kid I drowned. Decides he'll give him a letter ordering his own death and take it to the palace, castle, king's house, manor. But th- then, so, so then, so then he ends up in the forest, right? Yeah. And then he, he ends up in a cottage mm-hmm. and an old woman's like, oh no, a den of thieves lived here. Yeah. Instant alarm bells, except these ones had their hearts melted by the Aww. letter. <laughs> That was amazing. I could not have expected that to happen. But I like that because they're like cold-hearted robbers. But then when they find like the king, it right. doesn't like this boy. They they feel like he's a, they they're on the same level as sure. him. Sure. I kind of I get that. Yeah. I do get that. I think that I like that as a device. Actually. Yeah. No, I like that. That was a great non-fairy tale thing to happen. It feels like to me. Yeah. Like nothing like that has ever happened yeah. in the stories we've read so far. Yeah. And then he ends up at the palace, shall we say, marries the uh, the princess, and they're really happy. She likes him. Yeah. He's a nice guy, apparently. Even though he seems a bit cocky, he doesn't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> then, King gets back. He's mad. Right, you've got to get three golden hairs. From the devil. From the devil. Yeah. I can't really picture that. 
He's got a head of golden hair. That's a bit weird, isn't it? So anyway, yeah. So he, mm. yeah, he ends up there. Mm. She's got the perfect plan. Wait, we we. Gone, I mean, skip past yeah, the weird there's bit. There's a lot to. That, oh, there's go so through. much to take in. The, the watchman with the weird things. Somewhere there's a fountain with wine coming out of it. And a golden <laughs> apple tree. Yeah. And then the ferryman's like, why must I go back and forth? I thought, well, that's your job, mate. That's, that's what you're talking about. Well, you can leave your job, can't you? He can't well, leave. Well, not if there's very poor social mobility and uh, uh, <laughs> a not, not a great job market. Then no, you can't. Okay. Mm. And then he devil's mad. He's got. Uh, he can smell man flesh. And then he falls asleep with his head in his grandma's lap. Yeah. Nothing. No. Nothing to comment on there. And um, she manages very cleverly to get the three answers that the yeah the young man wants. Exactly. He's just an ant yes. in the dress. Gets the answers. That's fine. Yeah. He gets gets away and gets home. Yeah. And the king doesn't even care anymore because he's got loads of gold. He's got gold ass. And then the perfect ending. And oh the thing, my uh, which I, like this was a brilliant epic tale on its own. Yeah. And would already be sitting at such a high level, and then it's just got this delicious ending, which just oh. kicks it up another notch. So with this, satisfying. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. And I tell you what, that reminded me of the. Fox and the wolf in the well. Mm, Because the idea that there is a character in a predicament and the only way to get out of that predicament is to trick someone into getting into that predicament. And it's the exact same plot device at the end of this story. So that was a fable we read in the ATU special episode. Yes, not a Grimm's. It was... um, John de la Fontaine, a French poet, basically. Writer. Fabulist. And you specifically said you love the device of yeah. the only way of getting out of a situation is to put someone else in that situation. Yeah. And it's great because it's, it's, that's not the central narrative device. No. It's this little side thing. Yeah. And then that is a way of punishing the king at the end. And it's like a separate narrative thread yeah. which meets up with another separate narrative yeah. thread at the end. Yeah. It's brilliant. And the, the, the kid, the prince, I guess he is now, Yeah. he... Knew that, and yeah. he did it on purpose. So he's he's not some sort of dumb, sweet, innocent yeah. uh, hero that we've had a lot. He actually knows what he's. Maybe he does know everything, <laughs> <laughs> and it's all come together. Uh, that's my whiz through the story. Incredible. So it is a lot to process that yeah. story, but kind of looking at it from the widest perspective. What I thought was quite interesting is if you kind of compare it to a normal fairy tale. Yeah. So normally you'd have a challenge that you have to do to win the princess. Yeah. Or prince. But in this one, he's already got her. Yeah. They're married. They're, they're <laughs> in the cottage. They're like reading the newspaper, like cooking a cooked breakfast. It's all really Domestic happy. bliss. He's got to do this challenge to keep, keep her. Up, he's yeah. like, the king comes home. No, 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 no. <laughs> What's going on here? Second? No, I don't think so. And often there's the stories, often our stories see someone rising up through the classes, right? So you have, I don't know, a boy, a tailor, whatever. Yeah. They go on a quest and they become king or yeah. they become queen. Mm-hmm. But we've never actually seen someone demoted. Right. Uh, you know, unless you're an evil witch or a, murder, a murderer, 
you don't often get punished either. So maybe the kings are cruel and unpleasant or idiots, but they've always kind of remained king and then maybe they've died and the heroes become the king yeah. after their death. We've actually seen someone from like the higher classes being properly punished, getting his comeuppance. In getting stuck on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen a king go from the highest to the absolute lowest. Yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting, actually. It is interesting. And again, another element that I think is really good about the story. Oh, yeah. I totally, I love that. And now the prince is king, presumably. Yeah. So you mentioned, I smell men's flesh. Yeah. We've heard that before. Fairly recently. In fact, in the last story we did. What was the last story we did? (laughs) Far from the Christmas episodes. The moon in the Seven Ravens. (gasps) He smells... What did the moon smell? The he flesh sp- of men. The flesh of men. Malevolent supernatural beings don't like the smell of men. Be it the devil or the moon. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the takeaway. Bit weird. So something I came across on that is that this is classic fairy tale ogre behaviour. Mm. And perhaps, say, the moon in the Seven Ravens, very briefly, and the devil in this story is kind of acting like a the fairy tale ogre does like coming home and being like someone's here exactly yeah 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 rather than the devil because it's weird thinking the devil going to sleep on his grandmother's lap yeah it's really weird <laughs> and if he's not there where is he like where did he go out to <laughs> he went to work he's got his little tie on his briefcase <laughs> <laughs> oh you wouldn't believe the day i've had who's been here <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, nothing, dear. Quiet now. So, in that vein, it's much like Jack and the Beanstalk. And, as right. we mentioned in Sweetheart Roland, Hop O' oh My Thumb, that classic famous French yes. fairy tale. The ogre's wife hides the hero and helps them to outwit the big evil brute. Right, yes. So, in Hop O' oh My Thumb, they, the, the seven brothers knock at the door and they're like, Oh, the ogre's coming and she tries to hide them. So yeah. the kind of the wife of the ogre helps the hero. Yep. And actually in the first version of this story, it wasn't the devil's grandmother, it was the devil's wife. Okay. And and she <laughs> hides the hero under their bed when they go to sleep. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. A bit more saucy. And I like the idea that they were sat together and going. Should we make her his grandma instead? (laughs) And also Jack and the Beanstalk, which is, you know, it's Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee-fi-fo-fum. Exactly. In Jack and the Beanstalk, the giant's wife hides Jack in the oven. So this is basically a classic fairy tale ogre. Does that make Uh sense? It makes sense. Because it was all very odd. And I think that kind of makes it make a bit more sense how he was acting. The way he behaves, yeah. And uh, along those lines, again, interestingly, when it was first translated into English, it was called The Giant with the Three Golden Hairs. Okay. Which, <laughs> I told you, in the third ever episode of Grim Reading, what? Our, our Extra Grim special, Okay. I was talking about translations of the stories. And you used this as an example. This was the example I used. I don't yeah. even remember. <laughs> it was so long ago. Because all these stories are fitting into the context of where they're being written, being read, being translated. Mm-hmm. So the Brothers Grimm did have Christian sensitivities, as yes. we've seen. Yeah. And they kind of made it more godly as they revised the books. Yeah. But as we've seen on the other side, the stories were 
to some degree protected by their belief in capturing the authentic voice of the people. Yeah. Because that was their ultimate aim. That wasn't the case in Britain. That idea of distilling the voice of your nation hadn't made it across. No. So the devil was way too controversial. And they were like, no, 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 just say the giant and the three golden heads. So they changed it. So originally right. it was the, when it came to England, it was the giant and the three golden heads. Okay. But weirdly enough, despite that just being a complete fabrication, it kind of makes sense because the devil is acting like, like a giant. Like a giant or coming home. Yeah. 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 yeah, odd one. Bit arrogant, that boy, wasn't he? A little bit. I know everything. I know everything. <laughs> and then <laughs> proceeds to have to ask the, the three questions because he doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, I know everything. Uh, okay, why is this happening? I'm going to get back to you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? No. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think you know everything. And I love these magical towns, by the way, Adam. Yeah, what's This magical about? world that we're in here. Fountains with wine, golden apple trees. The fairy man takes you to hell. I just... I, Beautiful. In German, the title is Von dem Tuefek mit drei goldenen Haaren. The yeah. devil with the three exactly. golden hairs. Uh, the source of the story was Amelia Hassimpflug. Uh, in their notes, they mention that Johann Gustav Gottlieb Busching, he had a version of this same story in his book Merchen von Pompans in Volkssagen, Marken und Legend. So, folk tales, fairy tales, and legends of Germany. Right. Did you say Pompans? I did say Pompans. <laughs> okay. That's really funny you mentioned that. I just bought a pair. Pompans. Pompans. But the brothers, in their notes, they criticise Johan. They criticise... <laughs> Shots fired. Oh, it's going to get brutal. They say that he added elements from a French story while still claiming that this was an authentic story from the oral tradition. And they say that their story is a more authentic German oral tale. And right. uh, Johan just like added bits from a French story. Okay. Brutal. <laughs> it's not quite the savage put down I was expecting. Its story is ATU type 461, uh -huh. three hairs from the devil. Yeah. And type 930, the prophecy that a poor boy will marry a rich girl. Uh-huh. So there's so much going on in the story, it kind yeah. of hurts my head. Yeah. But what immediately struck me was the religious and mythological elements. Right. In particular, the ferryman. Yes. And also, going back to that ATU type, the prophecy element. So should we just go by through those one by one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. So are we starting with ferryman? Yes. So the ferryman taking you to hell, that's a thing, isn't it? Yes, it yeah. is. The ferryman in, the, in this story is... It's like the ferryman from Greek mythology, yeah. right? That's where it comes from. He was called Sharon. <gasps> She's called Sharon. <laughs> Karen. Karon. Oh, it's, it's either Sharon or Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't remember. Are you, are you Sharon or Karen? <laughs> it's like, where do I go now? I'll just pop and uh, see Karen over there. She'll take you to where you need to be. Uh, You're <laughs> to hell, love. <laughs> All right. Sharon's the one you want. Um. 
C H A R O N. Okay. Caron. What should we What should we go with? You decide. I, Sharon, Karen, or Caron. Karen. Karen. <laughs> so the least likely one. <laughs> no. Okay. Come on, it'll be Karen. It wouldn't be Sharon. Karen is a minor god. Okay. The son of uh, <laughs> son of Nyx and Erebus, okay. night and darkness. This is in Greek, Greek mythology. This is my neighbor, Karen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he, he ferries the souls of the dead to the underworld. You yes. Know, yeah, you know all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the Greeks believed that the journey to the afterlife went as follows. Ghosts of the dead. So you die, right? The go- and then your ghost is escorted by Hermes, the messenger god, to the boatman, Karen... <laughs> Yeah. For a small price, he rode you. Not you. I mean, this is. <laughs> I'm getting so confused Sorry. with my. <laughs> for a small price, he rode you. For a small price, he rode the dead across the Acheron River, sometimes mistakenly thought of as the Styx. Then you'd pass Cherberus, the three headed dog guarding the entrance <gasps> to the underworld. Like Harry Potter! Yeah! <laughs> ding, 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 I get the reference! I don't <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned Adam is finally reading Harry Potter. So that's fluffy, isn't it? That's fluffy, exactly. So you pass Cherberus, the dog who guards the door. And basically the underworld is run by Hades or Pluto. Yeah, no of both of those. Brother of Zeus. Yep. He's the god of the underworld. He runs the whole he runs the whole operation. Yeah. Keeps it going smoothly. So that's basically your journey to hell or to the underworld. Right. A Greek funerary rite was placing a coin on the mouth of the deceased person as payment for their journey across the river, sometimes known as Karen's obble, Sharon's obble, Karen. Karen's obble. They would put what in where? You put a coin on the dead person's mouth when you bury them. If you couldn't pay the fare, the dead would have to wander the banks of the river for 100 years. Ooh. So kind of like purgatory. Purgatory, right. Perhaps visiting the land of the living as ghosts and possibly haunting those that didn't give them the proper burial, right. uh, neglecting the coin on the mouth. If you didn't oh, have I that see. on your mouth, so there's a yeah. there's sort of two motives really for doing that: to keep yourself safe and uh, to help your yeah. departed. Okay, Moses. <laughs> Don't look at me and say that like that. As uh, as well as you know, as well as Sharon, Karen, and Greek mythology, we've also got a little bit of the biblical Moses in here, right? Mm-hmm. So in Exodus, the Pharaoh decreed all Hebrew boys were to be drowned at birth. So Moses's mum, which is hard to say, hid him in the bulrushes in a wicker basket. That's right, where he was found by a princess, taken in and raised as an Egyptian, and then yeah. led the uh, Israelite rebellion and Exodus Whoa. of Egypt. Epic! <laughs> it's pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I can see the similarities there with the box in the river. Yeah. So we've got this strange mix of symbolism from Christianity and then ancient mythology. Mm. And especially that is most prominent where you have the Greek ferryman rowing someone across to meet the Christian devil in hell. Yeah. It's just this weird it's mishmash. It's very odd, isn't it? Of stories, which again raises this question of, is this the literary hand of some learned men? I know what you're showing off their classical education and with their Christian values. I know what you're saying, but that in that part of the world, there is that history. Like you have ancient Greek mythology, but then Greece was at the forefront of Christianity. Yeah. So it's not inconceivable that the lines get blurred between these different eras in the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're. That's so not right. inco- totally inconceivable, but yeah, 
it does get a bit mangled, as it were. It is enti- it's entirely possible yeah. that this is just... People have heard these stories, and then they take them, and they morph them, and they play with them. And yeah. so you do have weird bits of classical legends that would be known to German peasants, you know. Yeah, sure. So it is interesting, though. I find it quite... I really like that about this story. That's fantastic. And that, I think when there is that this level of um, depth behind the story... Yeah. It really elevates it because it's not a whack, wacky, whimsical fairy tale. It's got this like mm-hmm. heft behind it of like yeah. cultural import. I don't know. No, Do you I, know what I mean? I absolutely agree with you. And I think there's so much going on yeah. in The Devil with the Three Golden yeah. Hairs. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah. There's one more thing from it I'd like to talk about on that note. Go for it. Prophecy. Okay. <laughs> I love how it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. By trying to prevent the prophecy of that the boy would marry the king's daughter, the king made it become true. That's an angle I hadn't even thought of, but that's fantastic. (laughs) Had he not have showed up and he was just raised by his own birth parents, none of it would have happened. That's so true. So prophecy is related to the fates of ancient Greece, which we discussed in The Three Spinners in November, who they set your path for you from birth. That's your fate. And even the gods were not immune to this as well. The quintessential self-fulfilling prophecy story is Oedipus. Right. This, yeah. <laughs> Which we came across before yeah. um, in another episode. Yeah, I'm not 100% okay with the story of um, Oedipus, but I know it's got weird bits. <laughs> and I kind of, I want to... You're not like, alone there. Tread around them, maybe. <laughs> okay, well, I, to be honest, I don't think we have the time to go into it. <laughs> You can look into Oedipus in your own time. Uh, but basically, there's a prophecy that a son will kill his father, mm-hmm. the king, and marry his own mother. Yeah. And because of that, they try and get rid of this kid. And in doing so, they set off a chain of events that lead to exactly that happening. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It's also a device used in 1001 Nights, the Arabian Nights stories. They right. use that device. Star Wars and Harry Potter also have that device too, with Darth Vader and Lord Voldemort. We're not going to go into that. Well, 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 no spoilers, please. No spoilers. And also, if they're fans of Star Wars, I'm sorry that I brought up the prequel lore and canon, but it is kind of in there. Uh, and most importantly of all, Adam, Macbeth uses this device. Shakespeare, baby! Oh, of course he's, he's getting back. his Shakespeare back. Now, we did study Macbeth. Yeah. together in English. I can't remember much of that story again. Go on, tell me. what? How does that contain itself? Well, prophecy? the witch's prophecy that uh-huh. Macbeth will become king, yeah. but afterwards the children of his friends will rule, which spurs all the action. Uh, he's, Macbeth tries to avoid that fate and ultimately in doing so seals that fate. Right. Yeah. We didn't have Shakespeare in The Seven Ravens. I'm so sorry, but... He's back. He's back. (laughs) Shakespeare's back. I have given it a little thought while we were talking, just in the back okay. of my mind. 
Um, I really like it. It's, it's a fantastic story. And it's sort of... There's just so much going on. It, it's, it overloads your brain. Yeah. It's going to be high. I flirted with the idea of giving it a nine. But I don't think I will. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Eight. You're going to give that an eight? Eight, yeah. Okay. I couldn't really tell you why it loses out those last two marks. But all I know is I love that story a lot. <laughs> and um, there were several incredible moments the chief of which being <laughs> grandma. <laughs> which leads me on to asking you the question, what do you want to score it? Well, I think you've convinced me. I'm thinking an eight. <laughs> like, well, job done then. Go home. <laughs> I'm tempted, weirdly, to give this a nine as well. Okay, yeah. Epic, epic story. Yeah. I think it would be a crime to give it any less than an eight. I, I agree. I think I'm struggling... To find a reason not to give it an 8.5 or a 9, actually. Okay. But my heart is telling me 8. Uh, so what, I, what's telling you 8.5, then? Your brain? Just, yeah. <laughs> Logically, it's a, it should be a super high score. Because yeah. it's got everything. It's got the brilliant adventure journey. Yeah. But with so much extra on top of it. The, Agreed. <sighs> the, 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 the layers to it and the yeah. different narrative threads, some of which even meet up in quite a sophisticated narrative way I'm not going to sell you on a higher score now aren't I I'm going to give it an 8.5 oh he's done it he's done it 8.5 8.5 so a 16.5 in total not bad amazing not a bad start to the year speaking of which we need to be getting on and choosing the next stories we're going to be reading we're at the end of our cycle of stories this was our first patron chosen story now we need to pick the next ones. So what we do is Adam picks three stories from volume one of the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Yep. Neither of us have ever read any of the stories before. We're no. going through them one by one, learning as we go. We pick them on, well, I pick them on the title alone. And the fourth story is a, between a story I've chosen and a story Adam's chosen that our patrons vote on in our yes. patron-only poll. Shall we find out the next story yes. we're going to hear? So I, it's kind of almost not a surprise. I've got an inkling. Yeah, I think he has got an inkling. Um, maybe some listeners have too. The next story I want to hear is number 80, The Death of Little Hen. Yeah, It has to be the final instalment of the Chanticleer and Partlet trilogy. It just has to be. We've got to do it. We've got to close this story out. <laughs> Fantastic. Then... After that, I would like to hear number 82, Gambling Hansel. Gambling Hansel. <laughs> wow. Oh I, oh, I don't even know what's going to be going down Some there. Some gambling. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I can't wait. I wonder if it's the same Hansel of Hansel and Gretel fame. Probably not, but that would be great, would it? Developed a chronic gambling addiction <laughs> after his trauma. It's terrible. <laughs> And then the third story we want to hear is number 38, The Wedding of Mrs. Fox. Yes! Come on, that sounds great! <laughs> An animal one, I thought. Amazing. I, I have to hear that. Wow. Animal heavy choices. I like and, <laughs> and Hansel with a gambling addiction. <laughs> yeah. I already like it, Adam. So those are Adam's three stories. 
For the fourth story, we've been running a poll with our patrons where they could vote between either Fledgling or the Thief and his Master. Adam, do you have the results? I do have the results. So maybe I'll give the results and then we'll reveal who picked what. So, Fledgling gets... 37%, which leaves the Thief and his Master with 63%. And unsurprisingly, as you can hear from Matt Clapping, that was his choice. That is his first story choice to get onto the podcast. So congratulations, Matt. Your story won. Yeah, thank Um, you. Um, Anyone you'd like to thank? I'd like to thank a lot of people, actually. (laughs) I'd like to thank the Brothers Grimm. Um, I'd like to thank the Thief and his Master. Uh, and I'd like to thank the listeners. Well done. Thank you. That is, I mean, it's, it's the obvious choice. Come on. We'll, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, to be fair, they're yeah. both great titles. So Yeah, one's better than the other. <laughs> landslide. Matter Absolute of opinion. Absolute landslide. 37% of uh, patrons would disagree with you there. But <laughs> I, think, I think actually I lost harder in the last poll. Possibly. So, I can't remember the numbers, yeah. but... Um, it feels good to win, doesn't it? Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> so the so the next four stories we've got, just to recap, yeah. The Death of Little Hen, Gambling Hansel, The Wedding of Mrs. Fox, and The Thief and His Master. Amazing. And now there will be a new poll going live on Patreon. So once this episode comes out, there'll be a new poll live, and you can have your say once again on which of the following stories you would like to hear on the podcast. So we've chosen a story each. Yes. And they are, in no particular order, The Three Languages and Brother Lustig. So that is Brother Lustig and The Three Languages. F- head over to Patreon and... Get voting. Get voting. on. You know which one of those you want to hear. The poll will go live shortly after this episode has come out. And as we said, this is our first patron chosen story. And we had a few messages from our lovely patrons. So what better time to read them out? Yes. So just reading out a few of these, we had a lovely message from Timothy Rogers, who says, I don't know if you realise how special and necessary your podcast is. To me, it is a welcome respite from the daily awfulness of modern day life. From the moment I hear the opening strains of Bicycle Waltz, I am transported. I just love the dichotomy of centuries-old tales being told via modern means. Sounds of crackling fire coming through my smartphone. The simplistic but timeless lessons of your tales are like a salve on the harshness of these times. Thank you for choosing the subject matter over all else that was available to you. Cheers. Well, thanks. Uh, cheers to you, Timothy. Thank you, Timothy. That's so lovely It's to hear. really lovely <laughs> to hear. Um, yes, the modern life isn't always fun, and it is nice to escape to Grim Castle and uh, put a log on the fire. So Go on a mad adventure. Yeah. Thanks very much, Timothy. And we've got another message here from Nick, who says, I've got an old copy of Grim Tales from the 40s, which I've read wow. on and off, and which inspired me to look for a podcast about it. Lucky for me, I found your podcast about halfway through the first season. My favourite episode so far is Godfather Death. That's one of Matt's favourites, I think. (laughs) It feels to me that even though it is an old story, it touches on messages that will always be true and timeless. Like accepting death, which I think is something society doesn't like to acknowledge. 
I also love your discussions each episode and the research you do. The podcast is funny, informative, and a joy to listen to. Oh. Keep up the good work and keep it grim. Keep it grim as well, Nick. Yeah. Thank you very much for the message. Right back at you, Nick. Thank you. Um, and totally agree. Yeah, that's um, very lovely. And yeah, Godfather Death. I mean, timeless classic. And we have a message here from Jeddy Biggers who says, I got caught up on the back catalogue of Grim Reading while taking some autumnal walks. So I obviously had to become a patron so that I could listen to Grim Fables. You lovely gentlemen are creating something wonderful. Thank you. It's incredibly <laughs> touching. Thank you very much. Yes. I love an autumnal walk. You can't beat it. So, so oh, well, we're um, happy to accompany you. Yeah, honoured you chose us. Yeah, thank you, and thank you, everyone else who's signed up as a uh, patron. We've we've said it a thousand times. Yeah, <laughs> we'll try and stop saying we're it. We're so grateful. Yeah, it's amazing. Great choice for your first uh, pick. I think Adam Adam was right to choose that story. Yes, I was right. And we'll see if Matt was right with, uh, and you were right, <laughs> patrons, with the thief and his master. But uh, before then, we're going to be hearing yeah. the death of Little oh, Hand. The death of Little Hand. What's going to happen in that story? <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, please. Well, Happy New Year. Yes. To one and all. Yes. It's been a lovely start to the year. It really has. And I'll be seeing you soon to learn about how a hen dies a horrible death. Lovely. Welcome to 2020, everyone. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you again very soon. See you soon. Keep it grim. See ya. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook, at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. <laughs>